Hey, 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 what's up, y'all? It's your man, Uncle Dub. It's the Tuesday edition of the Sports Wagon Podcast. This is episode 102. And you know what to do. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. All right, Major League Baseball. So the Fall Classic returns back to Houston for game six of the World Series tonight, 809 on Fox. Max Free goes to the mound for the Braves, so he is 0-1 in the series with a 10.80 ERA. Luis Garcia, 0-1 in the series, he goes to the mound with a 2.45 ERA. Astros playing for Game 7. The Braves are trying to finish this thing out tonight. Let's go Braves. <laughs> I did call the Braves in 6, so I'm still hoping for a uh, six-game resolution of this and the Braves get this title. So let's go Braves. And we'll talk about this thing um, either wrapping up on our next edition or potentially continuing. Because if there is a game seven, I'm not sure if it's tomorrow night. I'd have to look at the schedule. But nevertheless, uh, hoping this thing will get uh, will get uh, knocked out uh, tonight. NFL, uh, Monday Night Football. Chiefs 20 to 17 over the New York football giants. Patrick Mahomes goes 29 for 48, 275 yards and a touchdown. Daniel Jones for the giants, 22 of 32, 222 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. The giants are now two and six. Their next game will be Sunday, 1 PM on CBS at home versus the Raiders who are five and two. The chiefs are now at 500, four and four. They're home versus green Bay, seven and one uh, green Bay. That game will be 425 Sunday on Fox. Um, I mean, you know, the Chiefs, I mean, I think like most people, I think the like most people, I think the Chiefs, we all thought the Chiefs were going to be that next big dynasty. And honestly, I, I don't think it's not impossible considering the start. But I mean, they're eight games in. They got nine more to play. Um, some things would really have to turn around and turn around relatively quickly for at least this team to at least. I mean, I think right now for them, the thought is let's get in the playoffs from there. Then it's now let's see, can we play football in such a way that we can potentially get ourselves back in the position to win a world title. But again, baby steps, they're 500 um, and they've got a tall task in front of them with a very good Green Bay team uh, 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 coming to Arrowhead on Sunday. Um, from the NFL, some news notes that we're going to talk about uh, injury reports currently. Uh, first of all, uh, one of the big uh, stories that broke uh, yesterday, uh, Von Miller, eight-time Pro Bowler and the MVP of Super Bowl 50, was traded from Denver to the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams, in return, send a second and third round pick in the upcoming draft, the 2022 draft. Um, Von Miller was very surprised by the trade. But if you think about what Los Angeles has, he's going to be playing in a defense with cornerback Jalen Ramsey. He's going to be playing with Leonard Floyd opposite him. And there's Aaron Donald. And already, you know, the, the defense has kind of, lost a little bit I mean they were the best defense in, in the league last year they lost a little bit so they're trying to you know shore that defense up a little bit um Aaron Donald's been catching a lot of double teams so what they're thinking is and and, and the system is very similar it's a 3-4 defense so very similar to Vic Fangio 3-4 so what they're hoping is going to happen is that by bringing in Von Miller 
they're going to take a little bit of pressure off of Aaron Donald because you're thinking, okay, if it's not going to be Aaron Donald, there's Von Miller standing in front of me, and we know this guy can play some defense. So um, this looks good for the Rams. Let's hope that that helps them turn around their defensive fortunes. Um, from the NFL, so more from the NFL injuries, uh, Jameis Winston tore his left ACL and had damage to his MCL in the victory over Tampa Bay. Um, currently, uh, no starter has been named for New Orleans. Um, right now, a lot of folks are thinking it might be Taysom Hill, but again, Sean Payton has not made it clear as to who will get the start uh, in their in New Orleans next outing. And this is really, you know, disappointing because, you know, you think about, you know, Jameis's, you know, kind of the season he's having thus far. He's having a very good season considering where he's been, what he's done. He's thrown for, what, 1,170 yards, 14 touchdowns, and has a 59% completion rate. I mean, great numbers for him. I mean, you know, he talks so much about, you know, doing what he needs to do, not just the actual on the field work, but, you know, having his, you know, having his eyes worked on and, you know, it, it, all this has paid off for him. And just to kind of see it kind of get knocked down due to injury, I'm sure New Orleans fans are, I mean, obviously, even if you're not a New Orleans fan and you know his story, you kind of feel, you got to feel for the guy because of what he's been through. So again, um, don't know how long that's going to, be, he's going to be out, but I, I would figure he's going to be out for quite a while if we're talking about uh, a, a knee injury that that severe. Uh, Russell Wilson, um, he had surgery on, I believe, October 8th, and he had the pen removed from his finger. Now, his status is uncertain because they were hoping he would be back for the November 14th game against Green Bay. We don't know if that's going to be the case. Uh, Pete Carroll said that he needs to uh, allow the finger to rest for a few days before he can throw again. So once he rests the finger, starts throwing again, potentially they can have a better feel for the timeline of when Russell Wilson uh, will return to the lineup for Seattle. Um, for the Giants, Sterling Shepard and Dante Pettis both went out with injury in the loss of Monday Night Football Sterling Shepard had a quad injury. He's had multiple injuries this season. He's hurt both his hamstrings, now his quad. Uh, Dante Pettis had a shoulder injury. Um, in general, the wide receiver group for the Giants is really a walking mash unit right now. Um, at the uh, During the second half of their loss, uh, I'm sorry, to the Chiefs, rather, uh, and their loss to the Chiefs, uh, they, had four, uh, they had four wide receivers available in the second half of that game. So their wide receiving core is just really in shambles right now due to injury. Um, the big news, Derek Henry. So the leading rusher in the NFL uh, has a Jones fracture, which is essentially to the outside of the foot, the fifth metatarsal, or as we know it, your pinky toe. Um, so on his right foot. Um, so he is having surgery today. There is no timetable on his return. So with a Jones fracture, typically that is a six months minimum of being out and then starting physical therapy and all that stuff. So more than likely, depending upon the full prognosis and, of course, the what's needed in surgery and the surgery is fairly complex. 
Uh, and then from there, they will have a better feel for how long he's going to be out. But for the most part, Derrick Henry is on the shelf. Um, as I mentioned, he's the NFL's leading rusher, 937 yards, 10 touchdowns. And he also leads the league in rushes. He had t- 219 rushes. So uh, you do the math <laughs> on the rushes and yards uh, or yards per rush. You do the math. Um, so really big reason, Derrick Henry, for the Titans 6-2 and two start. And it's currently the best record in the AFC. Um, the Titans are going to add Adrian Peterson to the practice squad, and hopefully they can take his addition to the practice squad and turn him and put him on the active roster. Um, Adrian Peterson, as we know, is the fifth all-time career rusher uh, in the in uh, in the NFL. All right, so let's go over to college basketball. So a little bit about college basketball because you know we'll as we do we kind of take the time at the beginning of the week to recap major league football we'll do that the next part of the show but um college basketball first of all we are exactly seven days away from the start of the season the season will start next tuesday i mean again it, it, it it's a beautiful thing we got college basketball coming up thanksgiving is a couple weeks away so all these great things are happening so a lot of storylines, and and to be honest with you, I, I know I said this a, a while ago uh, in talking about you know at the end of the season, end of the both uh, the men's and women's seasons, I said you know I feel like the the women's college basketball side will have more compelling storylines. Now I'm not saying there aren't going to be good storylines on the men's side. There are definitely some great storylines, but I think because of the way the season ended, um, of course the transfer portal is making college sports in general very interesting i just feel like there's some more compelling storylines but let's start with the men here so the first storyline we want to look at just briefly is let's look at the blue bloods of college basketball so we got duke you got kansas kentucky and north carolina so the question that we want to ask ourselves is are these teams truly back now with duke with coach k retiring that makes the story even more interesting for Duke. So last year, no NCAA tournament, an empty uh, Cameron and North Stadium, um, and then Coach K announces his retirement. But then in all of this, they bring in a extremely, highly, extremely, highly, highly, extremely, a highly heralded um, uh, recruiting class led by Paulo Banchero. Um, and now people are saying, okay, Duke is looking to make a run. So to give Coach K yet another national title as he walks out the door. So, again, that's one great storyline for the men's side. Um, Kentucky had an abysmal season kind of going to the other side of this. And as I talked to you before that, John Calipari went to the transfer portal in addition to recruiting and built a team that that looks like they're ready to run again. Um, Kansas, you know, Kansas was okay. Didn't have a great season, but a decent season, but yet they didn't do, you know, the big 12 is usually Kansas's Kansas wants the big 12 back. You know, as we know, Baylor was the team to be in the big 12. They were, they, they, you know, won the national championship. So now it's like Kansas is, you know, trying to get fully back. They weren't completely out of the story like a duke or say at kentucky but they weren't quite in the story where they want to be and again north carolina so hubert davis takes over for roy williams 
And the big thing for Hubert Davis is he's kind of making some tweaks on the offensive side. Now, with Hubert Davis taking over, he kind of comes back with a team that's pretty loaded. Now, you know, one of the things that we saw with in, in coaching transitions at North Carolina, when Dean Smith stepped down and Bill Guthridge took over, I mean, two Final Fours, I mean, you know, you definitely got some talent. Um, then Roy Williams takes over, you know, to Roy Williams, we know, you know, he gets his turn at bat, wins the national titles. Now Hubert Davis is his turn. And again, they're kind of going away, away a little bit from the traditional North Carolina offense of having that traditional big man. Hubert Davis wants big men with some versatility. So in the way that they're recruited, they're bringing in guys who can play back to the basket and can face the basket and make shots. So that's that little tweak that North Carolina is working on. And so hopefully that in with the guys who are returning, because they lost some guys to either the graduation to transfer, that will that's going to be a story to watch for North Carolina. Um, then the question with these four teams and then who else, whoever else is out there, who's challenging Gonzaga? So, you can say that here are four teams that are challenging Gonzaga. Then you've got, you know, the plethora of teams across these conferences because then the question we're always asking is who's the best conference? So, I mean, with the ACC, you know, I just mentioned Duke and North Carolina. Then, of course, uh, Virginia. Virginia comes in not very, very highly heralded, um, you know, and typically what I find is, you know, like last season there was – you know, a lot of, oh, this is going to be a really good Virginia team. And they were, meh, they were okay. You know, they weren't as good as they have previous been, previously been. So now there's a team that isn't getting a lot of love. And, and frankly, <laughs> I'm just, I'm good with that. I'd rather this team be under the radar and, and then be dangerous. And I think they have that potential because, again, we know, with that pack line defense that they they are a dangerous team regardless. The question with Virginia is always the offense. So can Virginia find that balance? Can they play that really tough pack line defense and generate points in the offensive, line, offensive side? Because essentially last season, that's what we were looking for. They had all the offensive weapons but couldn't stop anybody. So Virginia, if they can strike that balance, I think they're going to be a team that's going to surprise a lot of people. Um, Virginia Tech is flying under the radar. Notre Dame is flying under the radar in the ACC. Notre Dame has a team of guys who have been together for a number of years. So that's the thing that we're kind of missing in college basketball, that because of the transfer portal, because of guys leaving early for the league, you don't get guys that stick around and play together for four to five years. So now Mike Bray has a very seasoned veteran team at Notre Dame, and I think they're going to be a team that's going to be sneaking around. I think they're going to surprise a few teams at the end of this thing. Um, as I mentioned, the Big 12, I talked about Baylor and Kansas. Texas, Chris Beard leaves Texas Tech to go to Texas. He's got a very talented squad. So Texas is a team that a lot of people are thinking could make a Final Four run. So Chris Beard has already been to the Final Four and the National Championship once. I think he can do it again with Texas with the guys he has there. Um the Big Ten, a lot of stories out of the Big Ten. Uh, Purdue, very talented team. 
Um, Illinois, they're back again. Michigan State is always in the conversation. Of course, Michigan uh, with Jawan Howard, Ohio State. Um, and then I'm curious to see what Indiana is going to look like. Um, Indiana looking like they're potentially on their way back into some some into the national conversation. And of course, the SEC, you know, Alabama leads the way, Tennessee, Rick Barnes team. Um, and of course, Arkansas, we mentioned Kentucky, LSU and Auburn are some teams I think can make uh, the SEC interesting this season on the women's side. So <laughs> you can't have a conversation about women's basketball without talking about UConn. So last season did not end one national title. And I always joke on this show again with all, you know, you know, and it's always a joke. I mean, for me, um, you have to, again, whether you are a fan of UConn or not, you are a fan of the game. And for me being a fan, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, UConn, not my team, but I'm a fan of the game. And you have to respect what Gino Ariema has done at UConn. You have to. And I always joke around and say, you know, when he doesn't win, he's not happy. And I kind of liken it to, you know, he's the he's the emperor from Star Wars and he's not winning. So he's going to get the training ramped up because he's going to have those his team ready to play because it is their destiny to win a title. And uh, he said that, you know, with the talent they have on this team this year, he said it's going to be very, very hard for people to find minutes this year. And I believe it. Very talented. Paige Beckers is back. They got the best freshman in the country coming in in AZ Fudd. And I think she's on a watch list for I forget which award. So if you're out the gate as a first year freshman on a watch list for a major award, that's telling me something about your level of talent. So UConn is definitely, as always in the conversation, South Carolina, number one in the country. They've got a little bit of a murderer's row of games coming up. So I'll mention one of those games in a moment. So, and, and you know what you get with Don Staley. I mean, first of all, they've got some talented freshmen coming in. They've got some good transfers. They've got a solid veteran core team coming back. This is a team that is poised again for another run to the final four. And of course the defending national title, the national champions Stanford. So again, I mean a veteran group, a balanced group, a group that plays well on the inside, shoots well from the outside. I mean, they've got Haley Jones, who I'm sure will be an All-American. Uh, if she or isn't All-American, I didn't pay that much close to uh, Here's the thing I didn't pay attention to. Uh, I'm sure she made the All-American team. If she didn't, it, it's a freaking crime, but nevertheless. Um, but yet, I think she does that those things very well. And I think this is a, a, you know, a team that, again, we will we can see that we will see their names again in April. Um, but if you look at, for example, the Pac-12, the Pac-12 is really going to be one of those conferences that we need to watch. Because, again, if you look at most of the teams on top to bottom, you have got a just a, a long list of teams that are going to do some great things. Uh, you got Oregon. Oregon's always in the conversation. Beware of Oregon State. Arizona. Arizona, great freshman class transfers transfers on top of transfers so again and and i saw some of their some highlights from their uh from their first exhibition game they've got shooters so i think with that again like stanford if they can strike that balance they get some good outside shooting 
they get some good inside play. And I don't know what their depth is on the inside, but if they've got good depth on the inside, I think Arizona is going to make the Pac-12 interesting. Um, as I mentioned, Arizona State mentioned that they are looking at um, you know changing up their offense, being a little bit more offensive-minded, so opening up the offense. So, I mean, uh, uh, who else? Uh, Washington. I mentioned Washington. New head coach Tina Langley. She brings along her center from Rice, Nancy Mulkey. And I think Nancy Mulkey, I don't think she's getting the accolades as a transfer. I think they ESPN ranked the top however many transfers. and She was very far down the list. And, I, and honestly, I think she was a little underrated, in my opinion, considering what I've seen from her at Rice. Um, the SEC is another uh, conference that I think is going to be very tough. Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee's back. Texas A&M is always tough with Gary Blair. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Kim Mulkey does at LSU. I think LSU is going to be a very tough physical team. Um, so, again, it, it, across the national landscape, there, there's a lot going on. And then, of course, I didn't mention the Big Ten with Iowa, with Michigan, the Big 12 with Iowa State. Um, so, again, there's a, a lot of, I think, the, the, the talent has spread out very nicely across a lot of conferences with these teams. And I think we're going to see that in the level of play as we go from the pre-conference play into conference play. Um, the ACC, uh, who's challenging NC State? So you've got Louisville, of course, Georgia Tech and Florida State. So those are going to be, I think, three key challengers to NC State. However, I think... There are two teams that are being overlooked in the ACC. Number one is Duke. So Carol Lawson, she's been doing some really great recruiting and transfer work. And I think Notre Dame is finally on that track to start challenging again nationally. And in a very, very quiet way, Virginia Tech. So Kenny Brooks at Virginia Tech has really raised the level of that program. And I think Virginia Tech is going to be a team that everyone needs to be watching on the women's side in the ACC. Okay, so we said season starts in a week. So let's look at some of the notable games. So first of all, there's going to be a lot of matchups those that first day. Um, mostly, you know, standard non-ranked versus ranked matchups, uh, you know, interstate squabbles, what have you. But we got three good games, two men's, one women's. Let's start with the women's game. Number one, South Carolina goes to NC State to play the fifth-ranked Wolfpack. That's at Historic Reynolds Coliseum in Raleigh, 5 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, in the evening, 7 o'clock, ESPN, at the conclusion of the, NC, of the uh, South Carolina-NC State game, will be the first of two games from the Champions Classic from Madison Square Garden. Number three, Kansas versus Michigan State, 7 o'clock. And then the nightcap, number 10, Kentucky versus number 9, Duke, 930 on ESPN. The weekend, so that first weekend, there's going to be a lot of good ranked matchups. And as we kind of push towards the first uh, first day of the season next week, we'll start talking through some of these good games. Because, again, you know, these are going to be a lot of good ranked matchups, especially on the men's side, talking about these quad one versus quad two, three, four matchups. And same with the women, because uh, if I read the schedule correctly, I believe Louisville and Arizona are going to be getting together, and that's going to be fun to watch 
and that if on the women's side. So I think that's going to be in a week or two, sometime in the following weekend. But we'll kind of work our way towards that because we got to get through at least the first couple days of the season. And then we got to catch our breath and then figure out, okay, who's starting out this thing good, who's surprising, and then we can just kind of funnel it all out from there. Um, one note of news from college basketball, Illinois center Kofi Coburn has been suspended for three games by the NCAA for selling school-issued apparel and memorabilia in late June. So here's the bad news. He did it right before NIL came official. So NIL was official on July 1st. He sold this stuff in June. So <sighs> bad decision-making, bad timing. Uh, that's unfortunate that uh, he had to, you know, apologize. The money from the uh, sale of the apparel, uh, uh, I believe he was told to donate that to a particular charity. Um, but again, he'll miss, uh, I think, the first three. Yeah, he'll miss the first three games. Uh, I think he will be back for the game when Illinois takes on Cincinnati. All right, so when we come back, we'll get into college football. We'll talk top 10. We'll look at what some thoughts on the college football playoff rankings that come out tonight. And we'll do our usual roundup of the week. Uh, what did I learn and what is up with God knows who. Stay tuned. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. You also can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everybody, welcome back. So let's look at the AP College Football Top 10 for Week 10. Uh, number one, Georgia. Number two, Cincinnati. Number three, Alabama. Oklahoma is fourth. Michigan State moves up three spots to number five. Ohio State moves down one, one slot to six. Oregon, seven. Notre Dame is up three slots to number eight. So they beat North Carolina this past week at home. Michigan slides three spots to number nine after their loss to Michigan State in East Lansing. And Wake Forest up three spots to enter the top 10. So let's kind of talk about, I mean, so last week. So last week, I uh, think 14 games, I went 500. So we'll kind of get into all of the particulars of the picks as we do or recap the picks on Friday as we make our picks for the upcoming week. So a couple things. So what's up with, first of all, the Virginia BYU game? Between those two teams, they scored 115 points. Um, uh, look, I, I like offense. I've said this before. I love offense. But when you get two teams that just go blow for blow on the offensive side, 115 points to me total is unacceptable. That's just that's just my personal opinion. Um, the defenses. In, in this, in having 115 points scored, in my opinion, not so good. Not not a good look. Um, Virginia had had a lot of difficulty stopping uh, a BYU running back. I think his name is Tyler Algier. Um, it, it, he's just been running roughshod all over defenses all season. So it wasn't just Virginia. I think 
just just the way that that BYU frontline blocks because they are some big guys up front, and they make holes that my old ass could run through. So I mean, here you have a twenty something year old young man who and and he's no small sack of potatoes either, and he's just running and he's breaking tackles left and right. So again. You know, in my opinion, I think both defenses weren't spectacular because you get a 115 point score. I think what the final score was what 66 to 49. Um, so, you know, you you get that kind of game from time to time. I it, I haven't really been keeping track of the scores in the Big 12, but my complaint has always been that the Big 12 always has scores like that week after week. And I don't think it's really been that crazy this year. I mean, they do score. They do have high scoring games. But as I said, if you're going to score that many points, something's got to give. Somebody has got to start playing some defense. And, you know, when you when your football scores start looking like basketball scores, it's time to kind of do some reassessment of some things on the defensive side. Um, What's up with Iowa? So I've talked about Iowa's struggles before that they always that that it seems to me that they start the season off really well and then they get to a point to hit a hiccup and either they you know have a little bit of a skid, maybe a one or two game skid, and then everything else goes right. And right now they're hit they've they've hit that skid. And here's a team that got up to number two, they lose to Purdue, and then it, here we are, we're back again. Um their offense has been kind of an issue too. So I, I, it's just so many questions that I have. And for me, looking at that team, for what I saw early in the season, I was sold on that team. Um, am I still sold on them? I mean, I'm still sold on them from the fact that they have, I think, the they have the background, the pedigree to still be a great team. But I think at this point, you know, any – chance of you know obviously the CFP is out the window um will they be in a uh New Year's New Year's Day bowl probably not they will be going bowling but again you know they this this great chance to do something really spectacular with the season has just gone by the wayside so a couple things I learned this week number one Minnesota I've talked about the Gophers on this show a few times, made some picks, talked about, you know, how they're how they're doing under PJ Fleck. Minnesota could win the Big 12, the Big 10 West. Okay. So by beating Northwestern this past week, they it put them into contention for the Big 10 West. So the Big 10 East right now is Ohio State and Michigan State are both tied. And I got to look at the schedule. I believe they're playing sometime soon. I don't remember the date, but nevertheless, this could set up very interesting for a Big Ten uh, final, a Big Ten championship game. But Minnesota, so P.J. Fleck has got them rolling the boat in the right direction. So now it's a question of finishing the job, winning the division, and pushing forward. Um, Arizona State. They may need to part ways with Herman Edwards. Um, so outside of, you know, just them kind of turning in the wrong direction, um, I, I talked to you about the potential of a uh, of a NCAA investigation at Arizona State. So I mentioned that a few shows ago. And so with all those things, I mean, again, there was a lot of head scratching, a lot of like, what are we doing when he was hired? 
And, you know, the questions were, you know, okay, here's a guy who hadn't coached in college in over 30 plus years. But to to think about that, he still worked with rookies in the NFL. He would talk to, you know, do talks at rookie camps and, you know, mentor guys. So they're like, okay, he has his finger on the pulse. He knows what to say. But then the question is, but how do you relate to guys who are in college? I mean, these are guys who have graduated from college or leave leave college a year early, a little more, more mature, um, you know, relatively speaking. But these are guys that are entering the league, and he tells them about you know avoiding some of the pitfalls of the league. So now, how does he relate to college kids? How does he not only teach them about football, and obviously he can teach them about life, but you know having the proper controls to ensure that they do what they're supposed to do academically and off the field and all the other good stuff. And he's done that and they've won, but now that they're kind of, and here's a team that I think is very talented, but they've kind of, again, they flipped the other direction. So with all these things, I mean, it could be, I mean, and this may not be a football issue. This may be an investigation issue that may Arizona State to say, you know, it may be time for us to, you know, part ways and do some other things here. Um, so um, let's look at the college football playoff rankings. So here's what I'm thinking. So this is what I'm thinking. Um, so the first ranking will be tonight. So as I mentioned, the only rankings I think you should really care about are tonight and then the last rankings. Because, again, this is just a Tuesday night ratings thing for ESPN so every Tuesday night there's gonna be new rankings of course they're doing this week by week because the college football playoff committee is gonna meet they're gonna look at they're gonna watch games over the weekend and they're gonna be paying attention to you know your top 10 teams and what they do and all that good stuff and then they'll go back and they'll evaluate performance and say okay so what's gonna be ranking for next week and of course ESPN will be as they tell you the exclusive home of the college football playoff rankings and the national championship blah 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 and it's a ratings thing because let's say we get you know we're gonna get our rankings tonight we go into the weekend nothing changes okay well you're gonna get the same ranking again next week in the middle of college college basketball starting and then the talking heads will debate for half an hour why the ratings didn't change or why the ratings should have changed, rather rankings rather should have changed because, oh, well, this team, they won, but they didn't win pretty. Uh, you know, it, they, they didn't win pretty. Okay, who cares? They won, you know. So they're going to argue the style points or they're going to argue, well, uh, this team should be higher because of this. Thing. It's all a ratings thing. So you should really care about tonight and then care about the final rankings in December because everything in between, unless there's a seismic shift in the, in the top 10, no one cares. I mean, it's just, you know, go on and watch college basketball, go watch something else because this is, this is not going to matter really, really matter until December when we announce this thing and say, here are your top four teams, here when the games are being played, get your drink, get your food, get your butt in front of the TV, and watch these four teams go at it to win a national title. That's that's it. So since we got the top four, the first rankings tonight, top four, I thought I kind of worked on looking at the, the playoff, to the current AP top 10. I said, let me see if I can figure this out. So here's what I think. Here's my top four. 
I got Georgia one, Alabama two. I got Alabama sliding into the two spot. Currently, Alabama is ranked third. I got Cincinnati sliding to the three spot. And then the fourth spot, I got Michigan State. So you've got three teams that are 8-0. That would be Georgia, Cincinnati, Michigan State, and Alabama at 7-1. Now, 5-10, through 10, I was kind of debating some things 5-10. through 10. So 5-6-7. and seven. So here's what I got 5-6-7. and seven. I got Ohio State, not in order, but I'm just going to hear the teams. The teams at 5-6-7, and seven, I've got Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oregon. Okay? So... And look at my notes. I've erased this like 10 times. So here's what I got. At five, at five, I got Ohio State at seven and one. At six, I got Oregon at seven and one. And at seven, I got Oklahoma at seven and one. So the Ohio State-Oregon thing was bothering me because I'm going, okay, Oregon beat Ohio State. But then you're looking at, okay, you've got a Ohio State team that, again, I'm now I'm starting to think like, these talking heads and all these people who have to sit here and figure this out because, again, because you have four teams, you've got to make these distinctions between, you know, conferences and quality wins and yada, yada, yada. Okay. So my thought was, okay, you've got an Ohio State team that did lose to Oregon. Yes. Again, I'm starting to sound like these talking heads. So you've got an Oregon, an Ohio State team that lost to Oregon, but Oregon's coming out of the Pac 12. I mean, you know, people are thinking, okay, well, maybe strength of conference and then Ohio State still looking ahead. They've got Michigan. They've got, uh, I don't know, I don't have to schedule from Michigan is definitely the next big game to circle, but there are obviously more games coming and probably more likely uh, Michigan State. I, I, I didn't look at the schedule, but nevertheless, you think about the games they have moving forward. Oregon, Pac 12, let's think about the Pac 12. Oregon will probably win the Pac 12. Um, who else is there? You know, I mean, UCLA is, you know, I I think UCLA and UCLA was giving Oregon the business until the end. So there you go. So, I mean, I'm thinking Ohio state, Oregon, and then Oklahoma. So then I go, well, why isn't, uh, Oregon and Oklahoma, uh, why isn't Oklahoma at six and Oregon seven? Again, I still think about the struggles that Oklahoma has been having to win football games. And, also, and you think about a typical Oklahoma team, if this were a typical season for Oklahoma, they probably would be either four or five. Okay. So, like I said, five, six, and seven is Ohio State, Oregon, Oklahoma, eight, nine, and ten. So I had a problem with nine and ten. So here's who the three teams I have at eight, nine, and ten, not in particular order. So I got Michigan, Notre Dame, and Wake Forest. Those are the three teams in those slots. Now, nine and ten I had a problem with. I before I started recording this. I'm going, let me look at nine. Let me look at my top 10 again. And I focused on eight, nine, and 10. Number eight, I got Wake Forest. I don't have a problem with Wake Forest number eight. Why? Because they're undefeated. They're eight. No, they're under the radar. They're not getting a lot of love. They're not getting a lot of love nationally. But right now they're in the driver's seat to win the ACC Atlantic division. Um, Could Wake Forest beat Oklahoma? Maybe, but probably not. In any typical year, hell no. Wouldn't happen. <laughs> okay. Could they be Oregon? No. And we're not even going to get into Ohio State. But I think as an undefeated team, and, you know, here we got them over a 71 Michigan team and a 71 Notre Dame. So I got Michigan at nine and Notre Dame at 10. So my issue with Notre Dame, again, here's the ACC thing. 
Notre Dame's playing ACC teams, but Notre Dame is not playing ACC teams. I'm doing my fingers like the um, the um, uh, uh, air quotes. They're not playing ACC teams. In other words, they're playing ACC games, but they don't count for anything. Um, and then you think about some of the traditional rivals that Notre Dame has. They're playing, I believe they're playing Navy this weekend. Navy's terrible this year. They play USC. USC's terrible this year. So, I mean, I'm trying to think who have they played and I'm trying to, again, it's it's hard for me to kind of remember everyone's schedule. But, you know, Notre Dame has played some good teams, but they haven't really played great teams. Well, okay, they had the Wisconsin game that was, you know, that went down to the wire. Um, I know there's a couple other games I'm obviously, obviously forgetting. But nevertheless, I got Wake at 8, Michigan at 9, and Notre Dame at 10. So this is what I'm thinking for the rankings. Again, am I in the ballpark or am I sitting in the parking lot? We'll know uh, tonight, uh, probably about seven o'clock when they announce this thing uh, on ESPN. So, um, so that is all I have for this episode, episode 102. Um, Oh, football. We got some early football this week. So starting this week and probably going until probably the end of the season, Tuesday, Wednesday night, the mid American conference, uh, the Mac will be playing Tuesday and Wednesday night games. So Maction Tuesday night, Wednesday night Maction is back. So if you want, if you're just starving for some football and don't, don't sleep on the mid America conference, good teams. So football's football, take it for what it's worth. But again, kind of keep you a little, if you you know, love college football, kind of keep you, you know, nice and warm and full until we start the, the, the bigger slate on Thursday and then kind of keep you, you know, on top of things because they got the college football playoff announcement tonight. And then we still got a whole nother week until college basketball starts. So just get in on it while you can. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with that, I leave you episode one Oh two hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's uncle dub I T S I T S U N C L E underscore D U B man. My brain is moving or I think my mouth is moving faster than my brain. Instagram, Twitter, you know where to find me. Until I see you again, that'll probably be the Friday edition. You know what to do. Protect yourself. Protect others. Get vaccinated. Drink your water. Mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sportswagonpod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.